you are now about to experience the Revive Effect. My name is Matt Celestio, entrepreneur and holistic health specialist. And if you're ready to start your health journey but don't know where to begin, you are in the right place. At Revive, we create better ways of living for our generation by changing the conversation around health. And each episode shows you exactly how to build health into your life. You'll unlock tactics to improve your sleep, nutrition, anxiety, self-talk, and mind. Break free from quick fix culture because it's time you learn to love your body and start to feel like the real you again. Welcome to The Revive Effect. When we start our personal development journeys, healing journeys, or health journeys, we start to change the way we view the world. We change the vibration we operate at. We change who we are as a person. Now with this transformation and journey, it involves shedding your old self to step into your new self. This means that the environments, relationships, and the way of life that you are currently operating at are no longer in alignment with who you are and who you are becoming. Now when this happens, you start to view your past or even your past relationships and environments as negative or toxic because you believe they no longer serve you. You might even think that they're bringing you back down to where you're trying to break free from. This is because you attracted everything in your past because you were operating at a certain vibration, and usually that was a lower vibration. Now, when you start learning, healing, and taking actions to improve your mind, body, and soul, you are now operating at a newer vibration, a higher vibration. And now in turn, you're attracting newer, different, and other higher vibrational people and environments because you are now in alignment with them as the new you, with your new energy, with your new view of the world and yourself. Now, this doesn't mean your parents are the enemy. It doesn't mean you need to leave your old friend group. And this doesn't even mean you need to drop your entire life and start moving to a new city and start a new life. Most of the time, these people around you are well-intentioned and they they might not even have a clue that they're affecting you in a negative way. The only difference here is that they haven't changed, but you have, in a more positive, abundant way. Now, don't get me wrong. People can bring you down. You can engage in environments and relationships that hinder you from stepping into the best version of you. Whether that's because you're heavily influenced by their quote-unquote low energy, their negative belief systems, or even blatant behaviors to undermine your success and confidence and personal development. What you do need to understand at this point in your life, though, is how to healthily and properly navigate these relationships and environments to understand what is truly harming you and what you think is harming you. This starts with things like nurturing your internal self in terms of identifying insecurities, setting healthy boundaries without hurting others, and learning how to effectively make changes in your relationships and environments so you are able to seamlessly step into alignment with the version of you that you desire. And you do this all, and here's the best part, while operating at a high vibration and feeling energized, light, confident, and feeling 100% supported. Now, on the podcast today, we have Asia Marie to guide us through breaking free from toxic relationships, negative environments, and false expectations. Asia is a mental health author, two-time entrepreneur, digital nomad as a UGC creator and social media manager for three years, almost over three years, and she is the founder and CEO of Dilato, and she's also the leader and owner of First Community Tech and Holistic Patient-Led Dilators for Vaginismus, and is a TikTok educator. Asia's mission is to help others feel less alone in their healing journey, because growing up, she really felt isolated when facing her own societal pressures, depression, questions of self-worth, and even vaginismus. She never felt fully comfortable to seek help or share because she thought she was the only one going through it. But when she chose to be vulnerable and share her story, it taught her how to take responsibility for her trauma, be honest with herself and others, and work toward a more compassionate, self-compassionate, and journey toward healing. Asia currently has 50,000 followers on TikTok and 100 million views, almost over 100 million views as a vaginismus educator. She was Ireland's public speaking finalist for How Depression Made Me a Better Leader. She is a self-published author, and she has launched her first holistic, patient-innovated at-home treatment for vaginismus. Asia is an absolute wealth of knowledge, and her words truly and deeply moved me throughout our time together on this episode, and I know they're going to do the same for you. 
So let's not wait any longer. Let's jump into this conversation today to teach you and guide you through breaking free toxic relationships, negative environments, and false expectations. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Revive Effect podcast. I'm your host, Matt Celestio. Thank you for tuning in. We got another episode lined up today with an amazing guest today, Asia in the building. Asia, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm feeling good. I've been looking forward to this episode, Matt. Yeah, long time in the works. And it's really great because we don't even live on the same continent right now, but we're still getting a chance to do the interview, right? No, I agree. And I think it speaks a lot to how you can connect with people through the digital world and not even be in the same place yet, same time zone too, um, and still have those meaningful conversations. Yeah, not even that, but just even serve our clientele because you and I both own digital businesses, right? So again, you're Mm -hmm. just reaching the masses from wherever you are. No, exactly. The proximity to making an impact to people has definitely changed over the years. And these are one of the great benefits. I see it as a tool personally. Absolutely. Absolutely. So today we're going to be diving into the whole topic of break free from toxic relationships, negative environments and false expectations. Now, do you have an intention, Asia? Do you have even just kind of a something you're looking forward to with this episode specifically? Yes, I feel this is something all of us go through, whether it be platonic, family, intimate, yet we don't feel safe enough to express our honest thoughts, whether it's because we don't want to hurt the other person or we think it's something that we just have to go through ourselves. So hopefully this inspires people to have deeper conversations with themselves and with the people around them. Okay, yeah, beautifully articulated. And I think that's great to jump right into the first section of it where we're going to be talking about relationships. Now, when we start our personal development journeys, healing journeys, or even health journeys, we really start to change the way we view the world. We change the vibration we operate at, and we change who we are as a person. But as we make this change, we feel that because our friends and family around us aren't making that similar transformation, we really become frustrated in these relationships. And as per our earlier conversation, you mentioned that we should really embrace the spectrum of human self-awareness and not judge people based on that spectrum. Can you just dive into this and what you mean by this? Absolutely. So for me, I felt I didn't experience my spiritual awakening, my self-awareness journey until I was about 18. So I went a lot of my life living in this state of autopilot, not really looking deeper past someone's thoughts, the reasons behind their actions. But once I delved into going to therapy, started journaling, really digging through the subconscious, I started to notice the people around me were doing the same. And at first, there was that bit of entitlement where I felt like I was, quote unquote, better than other people because I chose to be aware. But in reality, I felt that was the ego speaking. And that's when I realized the common phrase of everyone's on their own journey and you just have to respect their pace they're at versus trying to tug everyone along with you in the journey because enlightenment just seems to be this big thing we want to work towards. But in reality, a lot of it's just enjoying the present moment, specifically where all the people you love are at and meeting them that way. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. And honestly, I think that's where the frustration really comes in because you're trying to elevate and you go, why don't you guys just listen, like come up with me, right? And that really just makes us almost feel like we're dragged back down in that sense because they're not elevating with us, right? Exactly. The analogy, I see it as if like, you're trying to pull a rug under a table, but because there's so much weight there, you're like getting frustrated. Why isn't it moving with me? I want to go. But at the end of the day, the goal isn't always to keep going forward, which I feel in the self-development world, we get so warped with that perception that we have to keep going forward, where in reality, maybe where that rug is right now in the moment is doing great. And the people around you at that table, that's weighing it down. You're enjoying your time with them. And certain topics you'll realize too, may not resonate with them and that's okay because you can still bring up other topics that both bring you joy and fulfillment and bring you excitement so it's learning to set those boundaries in conversation and accept where people are instead of adding more resistance to something that isn't going to move because it's not your responsibility right yeah that's huge and it actually reminds me of something my mom always told me because I like you I'm always trying to elevate 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 and she Mm. goes you can't expect to bring everyone up with you and get them to resonate with everything you're learning and doing. Sometimes you just need to plant the seed for them and then let them discover on their own kind of path, their own healing journey, whether it's health, nutrition, even just self-empowerment. You know what I'm saying? 
I love that analogy because it reminds me of it's up to them to nurture the seed, to water it, to give it the resources. But it's not your garden at the end of the day. You have your own plethora of plants, seeds that you're doing on yourself. So if you start to take accountability for other people's seeds, gardens like you talked about, you're going to burn yourself in the end. You're going to be the only one on that hamster wheel that's going at the end of the day. Yeah, you need to be a little selfish on your journey. Take care of your own self first, right? Clean your own home up before you do everybody else's. Love that. Exactly. So now we spoke about how it's a misguided belief that everyone, right, needs to embark on this transformational journey, mm -hmm. achieve that uh, enlightenment, if you will. Now, I want to know, hear from you personally. I know you've probably had past friends or family that were in uh, maybe a negative space or they weren't embarking on the same path as you, whether that be mm -hmm. personal development, healing, or health. Can you talk about how you didn't buy into this misguided belief that everyone needs to elevate, elevate, elevate personally? Absolutely. So I think it's a false statement that everyone here on this earth is going to reach their version of success. I think everyone has the capabilities within means, but at the end of the day, it's their own choice. And it's accepting that within this lifetime, there are going to be people that choose not to take this path. And it's learning to be okay with it because even though you may see this other side of what you said, elevate, it's self-confidence, it's positive self-worth. Um, you almost want that for everybody else, but it's learning to take responsibility for what you can do within your own means. And then just in hopes of it spreading that light to other people around you. Um, there was something that we talked about as well with accepting it I know with my parents that was a bit of difficulty and a lot of it has to do with one they immigrated to Canada at a young age so they weren't given the resources where I could actually go in for example and pick up a podcast and learn about the conscious versus subconscious a lot of the time they were on survival mode having to pay their way through school and also get a stable job in a country that's brand new to them especially when some family members aren't even with them they're just in a different life cycle and understanding people's situations like that whether it be generationally culturally and accepting it and showing compassion I feel allows you to have deeper relationships with people that may not have the same level of self-awareness as you and to me I feel having a deeper sense of compassion creates more quality time with the people you love versus both having equal amounts of self-awareness. Again, that depends on each relationship, but it's understanding where has this person come from in their life? What was the upbringing like, whether it be parents, culturally, geographically, and taking that in consideration before quickly judging people based off of their self-awareness level. That's a very powerful reminder. I love the way you articulated that. And I would actually even add to that because when I was in high school, there were some times where, you know, you're trying to learn new things, do new things, experience new things. And people always brought me back down. They were always very, uh, they, they said a lot of, let's say, nasty things. Mm -hmm. And if I wish I could go back and give one piece of advice relating to what you just said is, again, understand where they're coming from, but understand that it's never really about you. It's about them bringing forth their own insecurities, their own triggers, their own egoic kind of belief systems that bring you back down. So even just having that mindfulness in the back of your mind makes navigating those quote unquote toxic relationships much more tolerable because again, yes, you, you embody the self-awareness to again, come at them with compassion and understand mm -hmm. where they are coming from. Right. I agree. And what I love, um, what you said about, sometimes they said nasty things to you. I feel even looking at that as if they had said something horrible to you and it triggered something, maybe their purpose in that moment was to, so it could show you maybe something that you need to work on or maybe just showcase an insecurity that you never notice it ironically brings a sense of self-awareness to you because then you observe how you're reacting to something because if at the end of the day everyone around us was had a high level of self-awareness that's not how the yin and yang symbol works right that's not how reality is that there are going to be people that choose not to be open-minded but perhaps their close-mindedness is needed in this world to help folk who want to be open-minded to bring out those uncomfortable emotions and those triggers and bring up those notions of trauma so you can take a deeper dive because you're choosing to go down the path of being open-minded and enlightened. 
You know what, Asia, you're very intuitive because the next question that we were going to transition to was really understanding how to identify what's ego versus what's actually other mm -hmm. people. So let's look at it from a different lens now and dive a little bit more and pick a more at this question here. The people around us may not be the things making us feel sad, drained, or energetically closed as we make our personal transformations. It mm -hmm. may actually be our own ego, our own triggers, and our own insecurities, right? So based on what you just said, is there any other ways that listeners can identify if it's their relationships that are making them feel sad, drained, or energetically closed, or if it's their own ego, their own triggers, and their own insecurities in reaction to the people around them? Yeah, that's such a good question. And it reminds me of the first tattoo I got, actually, where I'm very much a words focused learner. I'm a, I'm a written learner. So when I was thinking of a tattoo, I want something meaningful, something that always grounded me. So whenever I could look at it, it would refresh my mind and allow me to detach myself from my ego and, and be able to talk to my higher self. And the one phrase that really stuck with me was choose love. And as simple as that sounds, it's because whenever I was in a frustrating situation or I was angry, the first thing I would say to myself, and again, take a step back from those survival mode thoughts from those angry thoughts or even from that compassionate voice and say across all these thoughts coming in my mind whether it be negative or positive am I choosing from a place of love or from a place of fear because I think that really distinguishes whether or not you're doing it for the better of yourself and others versus because you're scared because you're worried what someone else may think of you or you're worried of rejection, or you're worried how someone's going to react when you say something. And for me, when it comes to choosing from a place of love, it means honoring your truth. So I feel sometimes when we say something, we're upset in a situation, we could be acting out of spite, acting from a place of ego, because all we can hear is what we're ruminating on. And we're not thinking twice of, okay, but what's the other person thinking as well? And is this best for both of us? Or is this best just because I want it and, and that's it? So finding that gray line, if your decision is coming from a place of love and honoring your truth versus is this coming from a place of fear, scarcity, and projection of yourself on others? Because I think that's quite easy to do when you're, deep in the self-development space, the toxic part of it is projecting yourself that everyone needs to be exactly like you and think like you, when in reality is if everyone did, it wouldn't be reality in the first place. The reason why society thrives is because we all each have our unique experiences, upbringing like we talked about earlier, and it's honoring that, recognizing it, and then asking yourself, how can I still love other parts that I may not understand fully? and choosing that. Yeah, that's incredible. Now, can you pick at what you mean by honoring your truth there? Because I really resonated with that. And I think our listeners can really benefit from a deeper dive on that. So yeah, just break that concept down for us. Yeah, I think it definitely goes into what we talked about earlier, where you're in a room, let's say full of friends, and there is a spicy topic going on something a bit controversial. And maybe it is about the conscious subconscious free will. And you notice a lot of your friends just aren't seeing it and, and it's, it doesn't make sense to them and, and where they are in life. And at the time, I remember being a bit nervous to bring up, you know, the sense of self, higher self, the ego, because I felt, what if they don't understand? Well, they, what if they think I'm a bit woo woo or a bit weird? In that moment, I thought, though, if these are my friends, they would be okay with me speaking my truth speaking how I honestly feel about something and as opposed to challenging it, welcoming it and, and respecting it. Because I think that's something that we always think needs to happen when we speak our truth, we speak our honest thoughts is that people have to understand. But the first step before understanding is respecting. And I even felt this way towards my dad. So as an entrepreneur, I'm a digital nomad. I don't have a nine to five with a juicy cushioned benefit yet I'm incredibly happy where I am. And because of his cultural upbringing with that immigrant experience and just generationally the differences we have, he never quite understood why I was pursuing this career. And I remember we used to butt heads all the time whenever I came home 
And he would always egg on, you know, so when are you going to go back to corporate? When are you going to go back to the office job? And I would tell him, I'm not, it's not in the cards. And that's when I realized I can't spend the rest of my life trying to argue with him and persuade him that this is what I want to do. And again, this is the same template you apply to anyone who's in that wide spectrum of self-awareness. My goal, I remember sitting him down, was to not get him to understand why I thought this way, but I just needed him to respect it and to trust me. Trust that I'm happy with this lifestyle. Trust I'm happy with this way of thinking and that it's bringing me the most amount of joy I could ever imagine. And I was like, dad, you don't need to understand it, but all I ask for you is your trust. And I think that's all you can ask of your family, siblings, friends that may not fully see the world that you see, but if they can respect it and trust that it's the way that you want to live your life, there's a sense of peace between two people that may not be seeing eye to eye, but both give each other and choose to give each other love instead. You know what, Asia, I think that honestly might be the best piece of advice I've heard all year long. That is <laughs> exceptional. It really is. And I, I really resonate with that because one of my best buddies, his name's Mohib and myself, we're always together. We're always going out downtown. We're always eating. Mm -hmm. uh, we're going to restaurants, doing our own thing. Mohib is a very, you know, he likes his meat, likes his protein, <laughs> likes to get in the gym. But for me, I'm like, I'm vegan. I don't touch that. I don't really agree with that ideology. Mm -hmm. But like you said, we disagree. We have, we're on total opposite spectrums of what we believe we should be eating. But yep. there's times where, well, honestly, it's all times we very do much respect what our belief systems are. And there's times where we go for restaurants and he'll be looking at a menu. He goes, look, there's a lot of uh, meat options for me, but there's no vegan options for you. We're finding another restaurant where we can both uh, get, get something we want and we'll nourish our body and vice versa. Hey, you know what? I don't, do I like the fact that he's eating meat in front of me? No, but at the same time, I respect that is his decision. Let's find a restaurant for you. So that way we both navigate this relationship really well, you know? No, I love that. I feel like it's a three-tier approach where it's that respect, trust that that person is doing what's best for them. And again, going back to respecting that. And then that level of understanding, which sometimes you may never reach with someone and accepting that will allow you to have deeper, richer relationships. Like you said, with your friend, where if you instead did not respect each other or trust each other's decisions, then that friendship may not even continue to happen. But yeah. just at least having those two of the tier, sometimes it's okay to not have the understanding aspect just because we all have such different experiences, beliefs, and values. And just respect it. Simple as that. That's the nice foundational skill that, oh, love that, Asia. Yes, absolutely. Now, aside from relationships, let's delve into environments because different environments, they can really influence our energy in powerful ways. Some mm -hmm. negative, some positive. And I like to usually uh, ask people to think about how they feel after a night out at the bar with a friend group who likes to party and drink versus mm -hmm. a morning where you feel more alive in nature. You go with friends who want to go on a hike, grab a nourishing breakfast. We're very health oriented. It's very mm -hmm. different and you feel different in both scenarios. Now, there's nothing wrong with going out for a good time or having a drink. I just like to show people and illustrate to people how different environments can affect our energies very differently, quickly and massively. Mm. So I want to ask you, how do romantic relationships, family, and even actually, let me rephrase that romantic family and platonic environments. How did these affect our personal journeys towards stepping into the better versions of ourselves, the happier, more aware, healthier versions of ourselves? That's such a good question. And the common line that threads through all those topics is boundaries. And you could even start off with family, for example. Growing up, your parents are seen as an authority figure. There's also this God complex that is shown when you grow up because as they raise you, you think, well, whatever your parents say is, is true and you follow it. But then you get to that age of seven when your brain starts to fully develop your own sense of critical thinking and then you start to rebel. And then now you have years ahead of you of deciding for yourself what you want, but respecting what they want as well. And then learning to set a boundary of, well, this is what I value in life. And I need you to respect that versus this is what they value in life too. And you need to respect that as well. So if you don't have an environment where those boundaries are set and what you, in the most simplest term is when it's a career decision and your parents aren't respecting that, um, that's when you realize, okay, I need to set a boundary though because my joy is something I value and I prioritize. So I'm going to need you to respect that, but you don't have to understand why I'm making the decision. Mm 
So that could be the most simplest term. And it's the same thing within a relationship, for example. A hot topic is always money. And for example, they may be more of a spender versus you or vice versa. However, if you're both going on dates together and one person is spending more on the other person than let's say the other, it's learning how to set that boundary and communicate, hey, let's find a better way on how we can organize our finances together in a way where we can meet halfway and still respect how both of us were brought up with money, our money mindset, instead of just settling. So in both aspects, it's so much easier to just brush it under the rug and be like, let's just not talk about it at all. Let's not set any boundaries. But when you are in an environment where you're consistently with people who aren't aware of what you value, what your boundaries are, and why they're set in the first place, you may have that pent up frustration with somebody. And any emotion that's pent up, especially negative or unpleasant, grows into resentment over time. And then you're going to realize later in your adult years, 30s, 40s, that even the smallest things they do upset you. And you think, but why? It's so minuscule. And it's because over time, it's compounded since that age of 18, since you started dating at the start and you never brought it up. So when you're in an environment that doesn't respect, again, those boundaries and establishing that communication and the why behind them, you're going to live a life where you're stuck in this old cycle of not being able to speak on what you value and cleaning that environment, right? Like that's what the communication style should be like is this ongoing feedback loop with your family members, with your friends, with your partners of these are my boundaries. This is what I value at the moment because it's going to change over time in relationships and then upkeeping that. And even in a, as a business mind, I sometimes even do quarterly reviews oh, with my uh, friends, family, and partner. And sometimes I don't explain it that it's a quarterly review, but from those that have the business mindset, I do. And I say it as a refresher. I go, okay, within the past three months, what have you learned new about me? Or what have I learned new about you? Or, you know, what are you really focusing on in the next three months? And then I think in my mind, okay, how can I help that family member? How can I help that friend? Just keeping that consistent communication of what you're focusing on, boundaries, and clearing out any air. Because um, again, the way you cleanse your room should be the way you cleanse your relationships, the way you cleanse your environment and the people you surround yourself with. Yeah. So it's almost like you're just maintaining this constant open dialogue between the two. And it's, again, so simple, but powerful, like you say. I agree. And I feel like adding that sense of structure of okay, what's my boundaries for Q1, let's say, and for those who don't know, as in like three months at a time. <laughs> yeah. uh, and then, yeah, boundaries, what do I value? Because if you're in a long-term relationship, even as if you're, uh, you have a parent, what they valued when you first were in the world versus when you're, let's say, in college, university are very different. So keeping in check with that um, is, is so important when it comes to nurturing a relationship versus just starting a relationship. Yes, totally agree with you then. Now, let's get away from the interconnection between relationships and environment. And let's just talk about environments specifically. Mm -hmm. And I know this is something that you do on a daily basis, which is really cool. And again, especially being a digital nomad. How do you leverage different environments to stay inspired and productive? And again, so grounded and rooted in your mission and purpose. Yeah, I love that question because with social media, and I know you were talking a bit about that and how prevalent it is now, um, especially for youth for people our age as well, it's going back again to that cleansing cycle, but focusing more on how can I use my environment as a tool? So how can I cultivate it where it's filling my soul and it's making me feel refreshed after I go in and out of that environment, whether it be my work environment, whether it be my home environment, or even just your coffee shop that you go to. It's really doing a quick analysis of, is this environment bringing me joy? Because I think a lot of the time, if you look on your explore page, and that's my favorite thing to do with friends is, I always ask everybody, okay, put your phone in, everyone show your explore page. And I just get really curious of what other people are consuming and doing that reflection with yourself. And even a step farther with the five people closest to you, can kind of give you an idea of what they're consuming as sometimes the people you surround yourself with the most can be a reflection of you 
or vice versa, what they're consuming may rub a bit on you. So having a conscious, consciously curious approach to how you view your different environments is so important in that upkeep of cleansing your digital environment, cleansing even just physically your room. Um, I'd say though, my biggest rule of thumbs are, is it bringing me a joy? Am I feeling more energetically charged versus drained? And then what can I do to remove what is draining me or what is zapping out that joy? And a simple, it can be as simple as unfollowing accounts that bring up comparison or bring up sense of jealousy or bring up a sense of FOMO and then following accounts that do inspire you, even people who are living a life that you want to live and having that as the create your for you page as a vision board. And you'll start to notice the shift in where you're putting your energy because everything you consume becomes a part of you at the end of the day. It's, it's a part of a specific type of identity. So being consciously curious of what you've been doing now and then making those changes can really improve your overall mindset in these environments and the things you attract in those environments. Wow. Yeah. And I really like how you went through almost a, a digital environment per se. Uh, rather than a physical in that answer, because I like to add to the physical environment uh, for someone like I work remotely as well. So I'm always, well, for the last little bit, I've always been at home, just isolated, doing my thing, wondering why I'm not really moving the needle on whether it's business, relationships, friends, even goals. And recently, the last uh, few summer months, me and my friend, uh, Mohiba, I just told you about beginning, we made it a conscious effort to get out of the house as much as possible and not only just get out of the house, but put ourselves in environments where people are exactly like us. So we've been going to networking events like no tomorrow. We've been going to coffee shops where we know a lot of people hang out at that embody that same kind of philosophy mindset as us. And then we also joined our entrepreneur center downtown uh, in our city. So we are surrounded now from, or I've been surrounded instead of being isolated and wondering why my environment isn't really helping me progress. The amount of manifestation and things that have been attracted to me in the last little bit as mm. merely as a result of going out and hanging around fellow entrepreneurs and being around a different energy has been like tenfold. I can't even tell you how different the life is or my life is. And it's as simple as getting out of the home into a new environment with new people and in an environment and energy that you know you want to get to or embody. And I feel it's been really powerful for me the last little bit. I love how you said that because I want to add on that. I think infusing both a digital approach to networking and a physical is what changed the game because there's a lot of entrepreneurs I meet who, like you said yourself, worked from home, whether it be at their parents' house financially or just because it's, it's what they're comfortable with, especially as a introverted entrepreneur. However, I really see a difference when, like you said, you make that effort to go out of your way and work in spaces of people who think like you or are 10 times more ahead than you. And in that only one, you get advice from people who are living a life that you want to live. Um, and two, you're creating connections. Like a lot of people ask, Asia, how did you get so far? And I go, I literally just ask. There's no such thing as a stupid question. And the thing is, even if you don't know the person, reach out. So that was something I did. I remember I was going to Amsterdam for a business trip. And I remember mass DMing a bunch of different organizations in my industry in vulva health, sexual health, um, intimate wellness. And I ended up doing coffee chats with so many other entrepreneurs in the space. And that has allowed me to go further in projects, in networking opportunities, in client opportunities. And notice how I didn't even have to go up to somebody. I literally just slid into their DMs. And <laughs> learning to not take it personal if they don't respond or they leave you on red. It's the same style as if you're in sales, realistically, out of the 10 people you're going to reach out to, you, you may end up selling your product or service to three or four, but imagine timesing the amount of outreach by 10, then think about the amount of network you're going to grow. And that's something I always recommend to any entrepreneur out there that is just starting out. It's going out there to those networking events, like you said, and practicing talking about your business and how confident you are because the new universe is going to reward you with that. It's going to open more doors. It's an energetic exchange. If you're not out there helping others and being proud and putting yourself out there, then why should anyone help you or reach out to you? Um, so seeing that 
energy exchange. You can you could do it digitally. You can do it in person. You'll start to feel like you said the shift in the opportunities and people that come to you. And all that starts is learning how to pitch, learning how to pitch yourself and your business, which I think a lot of people aren't taught because it's so easy to do it behind a screen. But when you are in front of something that was nothing about you, how do you sell yourself? But in a way where it's a value of exchange, nothing salesy and that you're forcing your business on somebody. Yeah, definitely. And I like that you said that. And it even goes one more uh, layer deeper. It's not even just for entrepreneurs. It can literally be people who just want to get out and about and make new connections. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. if you're interested in health and wellness, like sign up for a 10K, go do a yeah. yoga event, go to Eventbrite and meet these different people. You don't have to pitch your business, pitch yourself, say, hey, this is what I'm into. Are you into this? Maybe we do something yeah. together. And like you said, you're going on coffee chats with a bunch of different entrepreneurs. Look, now you're going to a bunch of different maybe coffee chats or events with people who you want to be like, who embody that energy. And again, you're able to create more energy together rather than just isolated. So I think that's also a very powerful approach. Absolutely. I recently did that myself where there was a yoga class at 730 in the morning. It was a bit out of my way. And I thought, should I go? Should I not go? And I thought, you know what? I need to keep going to events by myself because I realized back in 2019, that's really what put forward a lot of things is that I no longer became reliant on other people to come with me to events. And I just go by myself. And if anything, that's how you meet other like-minded people, because there's going to be other people who only went by themselves too. And then you're going to find more things in common because you both had the courage to do that. And when I did go to the yoga event, I not only met the instructor as well as other Uh, people that do yoga but now they're inviting me to beach yoga events and I wouldn't have done that if we didn't do a coffee chat after and I started to get to know them more so it's not only just meeting people but establishing a meaningful connection and then asking for some point of contact information you can reach out to them again so that way you can follow up about that thing they mentioned or um, if there's something that you came across that you think would be a value to them, you can do that as well. So a lot of it comes down to, yes, finding people, but nurturing that relationship in a meaningful way. So it can grow, like you said, when you plant that seed of friendship, it can grow longer down the line. Yeah, and again, you both elevate together. And again, this all stems from just putting yourself in different environments. So simple, but so powerful. Okay, so now let's transition into uh, our digital age. Let's transition into our age of content, right? news, social apps, endless entertainment, podcasts, and so much more. This is also another major contributor to us procrastinating on our goals and desires in life. And what so many people might also neglect and neglect to understand is how the content we consume can influence our mental environment and even the relationship with ourselves. This includes things like negative self-talk, insecurities, even self-worth. And it makes it very easy for us to adopt false expectations about how we quote-unquote should be living. And it pulls us further and further out of alignment with the true us, with what we truly want and how we truly want to show up. So Asia, what's your uh, opinion on this topic, this little piece here? I love this topic because I feel digital wellness is something that has been trendy here and there. Usually it's in January where people are doing these New Year's resolutions and they're like, I'm not going to do social media for a whole year or they put um, there's certain apps you can buy now where they shut down other apps so you can't touch them for a certain amount of time. So people are now becoming aware that boundaries, which I've noticed has been the theme of this discussion, are so important because it's easy to be consumed by this instant gratification, those dopamine hits every time you watch a funny video or someone says something nice about you on social media. However, I feel... It's really created this this divide with empathy. Even if you go with the concept of dating, this idea of ghosting someone where you don't actually see their physical reaction when you reject somebody or you're just not into them. You can easily just never respond and you never have to feel or experience the emotional weight of negative emotions it's the same thing with cyberbullying I remember that being a massive thing still is now but was slowly taught in school and elementary school and high school where it was so easy to just speak your mind without having the consequence of its impact to others emotionally mentally and physically so now coming back to this age where there are a bit of boundaries set I feel what's not talked about enough though is again being consciously aware of what you're consuming 
So we briefly mentioned how the first, the closest five people to you are a reflection of you or, or are of a big influence because that's who you're spending the most amount of time with. So I actually like to take that, but apply it to social media. So what are the five pieces of content that come up on your For You page the most or your Explore page the most? And how does that make you feel? So really, instead of asking yourself, oh, yep, that's bad. I, I don't want that either. Tapping into how it makes you feel can speak a lot to what it's doing to you down the line. Because some people may think, oh, yeah, funny videos are great. Like they make me laugh. It's so it's great. Um, yeah, I get joy out of it. But what's the context of those funny videos? Like, is it something actually worth laughing about? Or is it kind of like a slap joke on something that is a much deeper topic? that deserves more attention or respect. So something I've even come across as well with social media is physically not having the phone in front of me, even for work, especially with when it comes to boundary setting, I've realized sometimes digital boundaries aren't enough. And that, I mean, I've had the privilege to buy a work phone <laughs> where I can just take everything that's on that work phone, keep it there, put it in the locker when I'm done working. And then I don't touch it again until the next day. But learning how to get creative with those boundaries besides just unfollowing someone, but actually doing a little assessment of what is the algorithm wanting to show you? And then taking a step further is when someone even sends you a video and you like that video, that's telling the algorithm, I like that. It's going to show you more content that your friend had sent you as well, which again, piggybacks onto who you surround yourself with that content is going to influence you and is, be, and is something that you consume as well. So there's multiple layers on how you can set boundaries with social media, which I think is great because there's so many tools you can start with. Um, but it's definitely recognizing, okay, let me do, when was the last time I did a little assessment, a little cleanse of my digital environment? And then what do what is it that I want to remove? And I know we talked about that earlier as well. And how can I maintain that removal, whether it's generally having a friend not send you that content all the time, or it's choosing to follow more accounts and liking specific videos of stuff that you want to see. So the algorithm can learn, okay, no, this is what they, this is what they want to be put in front of them and not letting the algorithm control what you see. Yeah. So the same way that we spoke about earlier, changing our physical environments. Now it's the same almost, but with just the digital environment, same kind of concept, right? Absolutely. And people think the, the physical one is the only thing they control. I feel a lot of people enjoy playing victim to the algorithm because it's easy. They send you things that you like and that are surface level. For example, um, the concept of the high level glamour of being an entrepreneur, all the fun trips and the crazy networking parties and the people you meet and the vanity metrics. But in reality, being an entrepreneur is a lot harder than that. They don't show you all the times you failed all the times maybe you hosted an event and nobody came, all the times where you invested, let's say in a program or a coaching program and it just, it didn't fall through and, and you had a loss that day. So that is a lot harder to actually watch, yet there's that bit of vulnerability that really puts aside again, that digital boundary and allows you to relate to people on an emotional level. But unfortunately, the algorithm doesn't like those types of things. Um, mm. They prefer the high level glitz and the glam, like wolf on Wall Street kind of style. So it's choosing to be conscious with what the algorithm is showing you and making that your responsibility to use it as a tool versus letting it control you. Well, I love that last sentence you said there. That is the money line of this podcast. Now, Asia, have you ever been affected negatively uh, by the content you were consuming every day, whether that was, you know, your increased negative self-talk, insecurities, even self-worth? Now, can you just walk us through what happened and how you repaired that mental environment through that digital relationship and the relationship with yourself? Absolutely. And it honestly brings me back to when I was in grade school. So I believe Instagram did come out when I was in elementary school, I got to be bored with the timelines, but I remember it was when the icon wasn't that pretty current purple and yellow look like it was like an old brown colored style icon. Yeah. And originally why I actually started on Instagram was because I wanted to find more people that looked like to me because I grew up in a very white dominant neighborhood and I never felt pretty enough being Asian. So what I naturally did, and I think the algorithm kind of caught on of what my insecurities were, and they actually showed me more women that looked like me 
that were my age. And that's actually how I originally started growing my community was back in elementary school, going into high school, where I felt seen by other people. I felt represented. So it was great that it was it was positive at the start. But then over time, this idea of filters were introduced into the world where you could change the way you looked a bit and still be accepted by society, however, at scale, because people find you more attractive. And then as someone that struggled with their self-worth, struggled with feeling quote unquote attractive enough, I dabbled in a lot with the face tuning at the time, with the filters to cover the pimples and cover the weird smile lines. And I did that for several years, to be honest, because I never felt comfortable in my own skin. Even though I had found a community that supported my work, that who I could talk to and relate to things and had also the same insecurities, yet they as well also dabbled in face editing software where they felt like they weren't enough. And when they compared themselves to other people that were of the same background, they just didn't feel like they were worthy or that they were quote unquote, just as cool as the other people. So I have to make adjustments to myself to make me seem better and more sparkly and glamorous. And that's when I felt Instagram, the way I use it took a negative tool that I was now creating a mask for myself where I felt like I had to look a certain way and be a certain way to come off as someone that is worthy. And it wasn't until late high school when I realized people don't connect with masks. People don't connect with filters. People connect with the genuine story you're trying to tell. And that's when it shifted for me as a creator, where I wanted to start to use social media as a way to connect with people, like what the original intention was. But what I was creating was produced from a place of love instead of a place of fear. Going back to what we talked about earlier, because I was creating content of a fear of not being enough, not looking like I was doing enough. So when I started to create being vulnerable, showing my authentic self, whether it was like, I cried yesterday because something really shitty happened at work and people loved it. And it's funny because there is that pendulum swing of wanting validation from others when you feel like shit. So mm -hmm. it's again, finding that gray area of, am I putting this out there to help others or am I putting this out there to seek attention? Which I feel like the mental health space also has now that double coin side that people are starting to see if she's just saying that to get attention or she genuinely feel this way. And if so, why isn't she doing X, Y, Z instead? So again, there's a load of judgment in being vulnerable to begin with, whether your intentions are from a place of love or from a place of fear. However, over the years, making that distinction between is this content coming from a place of love to help others has allowed me to create the brand that I have now where people feel safe sharing their story with me. And to me, that's a positive result of spinning the coin on social media and taking out again all those negative voices that you think yourself or content or accounts that are projecting that onto you and creating your own version of art online or putting up your own boundaries of what makes you feel good and makes you feel like you're making decisions from a place of love on social media. Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. And as somebody who is a digital nomad, you have to show up every day especially for your personal brand on social media. So that in and of itself, you have to learn how to navigate that really effectively. And even if people aren't entrepreneurs who are listening right now, we do use social media on a daily basis. It's where we connect. It's where we learn. It's where we, I guess, go for content consumption. Now for you specifically then, how do you break free from that content that may be entertaining in the moment, but leaves you feeling empty and negative and unfulfilled when it's done? Because you still have to show up every day and put out this high vibrational energy you still have to interact with the platforms in a healthy way. So what are some things our listeners can put into practice today so they can stay centered and clear on their healing, health, and personal development journeys, especially as it relates to this digital environment? Yeah, I feel something that is misaligned to society is consistency doesn't mean showing up online all the time. Consistency can look like showing up for yourself, just going to the gym, going for a walk, but you don't have to document that because for it to be valid doesn't mean it has to be on social media. And that's when it comes into preparing content beforehand. So I feel 
when people see me post on social media, they think that's exactly what I wore that day. No, that's what I wore last week. <laughs> it's preparing content beforehand and batching it. If you're a creator, this would be relevant to you, batching it. And then that way, when you do have the time to just post it, but you don't have the time to actually create every day because we're not machines. Our goal isn't to have output every day. It's to live our life outside of social media, if anything, and be present with that, just as we are with our work online. Having that prepared can allow you to enjoy more outside in the world and then still make it perceived to be like you are showing up. You are, but just not online all the time. I think I used to think that showing up online meant I had to come on Instagram stories every day or, or TikTok. However, when I took that miraculous break of not posting at all, I was still gaining more people in my community. Videos were still going off. And that's when I realized you don't constantly have to be churning new content to attract things in the universe. If your energy is being maintained, like what we talked about earlier, you're maintaining it with the people you surround yourself with, you're maintaining your digital environment, your home, your health regimes, you don't consistently have to be showing up online to prove it because it's going to flow and you've been taking care of it. So my last thought would be to have that upkeep routine, whether it be across your relationships, your social media, because then you won't have to feel this need like you need to be always on because at the end of the day, that, that's impossible as a human being. You have to have your rest periods when you go offline. So trusting the universe that your rest is actually you still showing up is a big mental shift that I feel a lot of us aren't talk talking about enough. Yes, I think this is the perfect place to wrap up the episode with that beautiful uh, answer that you had there, Asia. Thank you for such an exceptional conversation. Where can listeners connect with you after our show? Absolutely. So on Instagram is the best way to reach me or on TikTok. And it's A-Z-I-A underscore M-E-R-Y. Um, but I'm more than happy to talk to someone over a coffee chat uh, versus DMs or even DM audios. I feel we can just get to know each other way more and, and share more versus over text. So uh, my door is always open. Awesome. Yeah, we are going to link that in the show notes wherever you're listening to this too. Have a click over to Asia's content. She's awesome. She has such great content. And if you're looking for cleaning that digital environment, this is definitely one woman that you're going to want to follow to add that in. So Asia, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much, Matt. And I generally appreciate this. So much love and gratitude for your community and podcast.